Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Here to set you up as we swing open the gateway to the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being here. Uh, yesterday, appreciate Brock Richardson jumping in with Ramya to fill in. Brock will be back uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, doing a lot of setup, actually, here. Uh, yesterday, I um, made some arrangements over the last little while and received the result of those arrangements. Matt Agnew, our uh, producer, our technical producer for the show, uh, made me up a wonderful uh, lift-top table. So this, you know, one of the stand-up desks that they have out there that people speak a lot about, we got talking about, and, uh, man, he, he worked on this. He does a lot of woodworking. It loves it. And uh, said, hey, man, uh, boy, that sounds cool. So he offered to set me up with one. And boy, is it ever nice. So I had to do some setup. So he was here yesterday. And uh, Paul, of course, who Aflalo, who's working with us on the show as well, uh, was here yesterday. We're doing some, some getting together some things for the fall season. So some work had to be done here. And yeah, voila, things done. Wonderful uh, desk here, and uh, settling back, folks, to uh, jump in to today's edition of the program. So let's see what's coming up on Kelly and Company. A new tool could help detect which in-app browsers uh, can try to track you. Uh, John Beeler, he'll be here, and he'll explain what's going on and how this works. Mike Shorman is in his quest to conquer the Great Lakes this summer. Karen McGee will be here to update us on his progress. And, of course, the audiobook Hair Love by Matthew Cherry is bringing important conversations of representation to the foreground. We discuss with Ryan Huey uh, during Hour 2 on the Chatty Bookshelf right here on Kelly & Company. Well, a few things going on in Jeff Ryman's world. Uh, we're going to bring him on board here. Jeffy, good day to you. Happy Friday, Kells. How are you? Well, all right. Thank you for uh, jumping in as Matt is away today. Appreciate having you on board. So first things up, let's talk a little uh, news item, something I think Jeff might have some thoughts and feedback on here uh, as a sports guy, uh, with Serena Williams re- indicating that she could retire after the U.S. Open. Her legacy has taken on a whole new meaning on and off the court. At this tennis tournament in Central Park, 13-year-old Isalia LeBron, one of the only black girls competing, says Serena Williams is an inspiration. Women, people of color are always put down because of the way they look or some people's ideas think they can't do as much. So putting Serena as a role model and all she's done is really good. Off the court, ESPN anchor L. Duncan says Williams' advocacy for African Americans stands out as much as her tennis. She has always been sort of this bastion of change, of influence, of being yourself, of speaking up for yourself. At 40, Williams has 23 Grand Slam titles. Duncan can't wait to see what she does for her second act. Julie Walker, New York. So... Let's start there, Jeff. Um, her second act. What do you think for this lady? Uh, I'll, I want to get into kind of the social impact she's had, but wh- what do you think? Do you think this is a, yeah, I'm going to pick and choose the, 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 the events I want to be a part of? Yeah, you know what? For her, I think she's stepping away from basically everything for the first little bit. Like she mentioned, she wants to retire and enjoy time with her family. So I think first and foremost, 
Um, she's going to spend a ton of time with her family, and rightfully so. I mean, she's been super busy the last 20-odd years or so, winning championships and gold medals and uh, advocating for many different reasons. So I think she's going to take some time away from the sport and away from the spotlight as well. Um, but if she does come back, and, and I mentioned this uh, on Nowaday Brown a couple weeks back when the no, the news broke that she was indeed going to retire at some point in the foreseeable future, I said I think she'd be a great analyst on TV. I mean, she's such, such a naturally gifted speaker. I think she would fit perfectly into a tennis broadcast or maybe even elsewhere. I mean, I, I think she belongs on TV. Um, but if she wants to stay with the game, maybe she coaches or I don't know. Honestly, the sky is the limit. She is such a smart person um, and very well spoken, well, very well put together, obviously very well respected. Um, whatever she does, I have no doubt it's going to be terrific. We're seeing analysts. Tennis has been one of the sports you've always had male and females. Um, working together. It, it is one of the sports that media has, uh, for their coverage, always needed the support and the the um, experience of male and female because of doubles, because of just individual events, uh, always something that you see synonymous with it. So I think I, I agree with you there. I think she has a great contribution. As a Afro-American, I think that plays into it too. We're seeing a little bit as much as people may say, well, what's that have to do with what the person is doing as an analyst and stuff like that. I think you look at the different perspectives, as we heard in the piece there, uh, the lack of respect for, for, for females, let alone people of color, doing some of these sports. And I think a lot of that is what we depict of the sport and say, well, I don't see too many people of color doing that or playing that. And, and hockey, we heard it up here a lot with hockey, Jeff. I also, jumping over to what I think she can do in the sense of the community out there and encouraging other people in minority groups to get involved in tennis, maybe something that some of them feel, and, and I'm sure this has just been a lifelong thing for her and going to continue, people who have felt, I don't have a place there, I don't have a voice there, I don't have an advocate, that is something that I know she will be able to do. And as for returning, I think it's a tough thing because you see the decline. You see that already, these younger and faster ladies out on the court and stuff like that. You know, in some sports, you, you hate when somebody comes back, Jeff, because they're so off the game, so away from it. And if you're doing stuff, spending three, four, five years now, and then you decide, you know what, I'll get into certain tournaments. You know, I'll get into tournaments where there's older people. You just want to go out on a really good note. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like sometimes athletes like to hang on to their careers a little bit too long or they retire and they come back. That seems to be the new trend in yeah. uh, today's society. Um, obviously, we saw it three times from Michael Jordan. So, uh, <laughs> And he was still good. He was still Michael Jordan when he came back. But he still wasn't like, you know, the 1990s Michael Jordan. But yeah. I digress. But um, if she does come back, I'm sure she'll still be good. Um, but you're right. I, I feel like, you know, 40 years old is uh, very young in, in, in normal circumstances. But in terms of athletics, um it, it, and and if she's away from the game, like again, we we don't know how long she's going to be away from the game. She's spending time with her family, so yeah. I, I honestly, I'm a huge fan, and I think Peyton Manning did it the right way. He won a championship, he won a Super Bowl, and then it sort of rode out into the sunset. 
I, I think that a lot of athletes um, should should take note of that and just you know take off on a high. And I've enjoyed some of the broadcast careers that are yet to follow. When these folks go out, they get into it. And over the years, sometimes that's been some of the best. And I don't think we'd fault her on doing a Tom Brady and coming back in 45 days or something and doing a weekend tournament somewhere. So really nice. Uh, Anxious to see what uh, Serena Williams does next. But next on our program, Jeff Ryman sticks around and he has our lifestyle headlines. This is Kelly and Company. Thanks for being with us wherever you're listening in around the world. We'll be back in a moment. Had to watch it, folks. That coffee voice was about to return. I was doing a discussion earlier in the week, and in the midst of it, did that coffee, you know, and it clutches right up. Anyway, can't have that one. I'm about to tell you. Reach out to the program. You can do it easy. One eight six six five zero nine four five four five. Leave us a message. Mention it for Kelly and Company if you don't mind. Give us permission to use your message on air. Otherwise, we certainly won't do that to you. That's one 509 Feedback at AMI.ca if you want to send a message to Marketing and Communications, ask any of your questions about Accessible Media, Inc., AMI-Tele, AMI-TV, or AMI-Audio. Feel free to do that. Feedback at AMI.ca. And, of course, on Twitter, you can find us. The handle, easy, at AMI-Audio. That's at AMI-Audio. Yours truly, at AMI-Kelly-Mac. Always love to hear from you, at AMI-Kelly-Mac. Jeff Ryman now on Fridays. He joins us when he's here. Uh, We get into discussing lifestyle headlines. From fashion to travel, pets and more, we cover it all on the Lifestyle Report with me, Jeff Ryman. So, sir, a few things. You mentioned to me you had like three items. (laughs) Let's see what we get through. (laughs) Always ambitious. I love it. Uh, Where are we starting? Yeah, we're going to start with some lawn care. And we'll see how far we can get into this because uh, I, I do have uh, some personal experience, uh, you know, growing lawns, especially last year. I, I literally dug up my entire backyard. Um, we, we, when we first did you moved, intend to? Or yeah. did you kind of start maintenance and then saying, you know what? No. Let's go from here. So what happened was when we first moved into our new house, our backyard was like 50% grass and then... It was like 50% wood chips because I guess the previous owners had little kids. They had a little jungle gym back there. Um, and I they, they took the jungle gym. So there was just half wood chips and half grass. <laughs> so it kind of looked weird. <laughs> uh, and, and that's like the first thing that I really wanted to tackle because we moved in in the fall. And you can actually uh, reseed in the fall. It's usually the best time, actually. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, the spring is good, but the fall is actually the optimal time. Um, usually around September, October, I moved in November. So and I remember little, you bagging all that oh, up and, and just wondering what they're going to say when they come. To, what is all, what's he doing? Yeah. So we ended up packing up all these wood chips into about 30 to 40 green bags. So when, uh, you know, the truck came around to load in the green bins and those green bags and all that stuff, they were probably there like for like. 10, 15 minutes just hauling these bags full of wood chips into uh, the the, the uh, dump truck. But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I literally dug up half of my backyard. I reseeded, and then I maintained it, and it actually ended up turning out pretty good. 
until I got a dog who started digging his way through the lawn. Uh, that's another problem for another day. But nonetheless, it was, uh, you know, easier easier said than done, but it wasn't uh, crazy hard. Uh, I think the maintenance is probably the hardest if you want to have good grass. Um, but obviously, we're pretty much at the tail end of summer, although it has been fairly dry this year. Uh, I think that it, that goes for... I think pretty much globally. I mean, we're seeing all across the world uh, some major droughts in China. You, you're seeing stuff in Italy and in Europe. Uh, obviously, here in North America, we, we've been pretty bone dry for most of the summer. Uh, so here are some tips that I was able to gather off of the Canadian press who came out with a great article on uh, how to keep your lawn in tip-top shape. So... One of the first things that you want to look for is what type of grass you have in what area you live in. If you live in a cooler area, you might want to go with a, a, a cooler style grass that, you know, thrives in more of a cooler environment. Um, you can also get grass seed that is better for if it's drier. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a couple of different seeds out there that you can get. So know your lawn, know what type of seed you want to get. If, if you're not sure, uh, I'm sure you can just head down to your local hardware store or, you know, Canadian Tire or something like that and just ask. And, and I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll give you uh, a pretty direct answer in which seed to get. So first of all, know your lawn, know where you live um, and, and, and go from there. Number two on this list is something that I'm good at. Not mowing your lawn too much. Now, it does look really nice when you have sort of that um, putting green. Right. Like, you know, really low to the ground, really thick grass. It does look really nice, I will say that. But in the middle of the summer, Kelly, when it's super hot and super dry, it just gets torched. Like, it yeah. turns from yeah. green to, like, blonde, <laughs> like, essentially. Wow. In like a matter of a couple of days, if it's that hot and that dry, um, unless you're going to be watering your lawn every morning for half an hour, 45 minutes. And and as Suze, our gardener, said, like yeah. this has become, with taking care of lawns, what a waste of the resource of water. Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely a fair point. And I do, I, I will say that, you know, walking around my neighborhood, there are a lot of people who have those rainwater catchers. Um, that catches the rainwater if they want to. I don't know if you'd necessarily use that for your grass. I'm assuming yeah, it's more so, so for yeah. plants, though. Yeah, and and you know your garden, but I I think because of grass, obviously, it suck yeah. it right up. Oh, but yeah. your garden loves it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so don't mow too much. And actually, um, my front lawn it's been pretty torched this summer. It's starting to look a little bit better now because we have gotten a decent amount of rainfall in the last couple of days, but. It doesn't really grow that fast if there isn't a whole lot of rain. So I've only mowed my lawn maybe once, my front lawn that is, once in the month of August. Um, I'll usually let it grow because the longer it is, the the less likely it is to burn. Um, so in my backyard, I've done the same thing. I have to go mow the lawn after the show today because it's gotten too long. But I, I will say that it does help. And I, I learned that from my dad as well. Uh, my dad had a, a lawn care business when uh, he was growing up um, and well into his adulthood. 
And he was always telling me when I when I got to take on the duties of mowing the lawn at my parents' place, he would say, hey, Jeff, give it an extra couple of days or, or look at the forecast. If it's going to be pretty dry for the next couple of days, maybe think twice about cutting that grass because the second you cut it, that sun is just going to burn it yeah. up. Yeah, and, and you've already cut, you've you've injured it, as as we know that's basically what we're doing when cutting it, so you're even exposing it more. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just be mindful of mowing the grass. Like, like I said, it does look nice if it's nice and freshly cut or if it looks like that putting green, right. but yep. it will burn really quickly. So just keep in mind, uh, you know, mowing is good, but it's, it can also have its, its negatives as well. Um, Second on this list is something that we talked about uh, just now is water thoughtfully. So less frequent, deeper watering that reaches the roots is preferred to a daily surface sprinkle. Now you see, you probably go out and you see your neighbors watering their grass every day, every day. But meanwhile, it actually is better to get a deep water. So if you're going to go out there Maybe you set your sprinkler or maybe you stand out there and you enjoy just uh, enjoying a nice uh, summer evening and you're watering your grass. Uh, you know, make sure it gets really deep. Like you want your wa- you want your grass to be pretty wet. Um, so just be careful about watering. You don't necessarily want to water every day. And again, if it is hot, if it is sunny, don't water your grass in the middle of the day. Right. It's kind of like our skin. It's redundant. It's really silly. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it will just burn. It, it, it's honestly like our skin. Um, you know, if you're out in a pool at 1 p.m., 2 p.m. in the afternoon on a hot and sunny day, like, you are more likely to get burnt then than you are at 8 in the morning, 8 at night. So... It's the same thing for your grass. So if you're going outside and watering your grass at one in the afternoon, sure, you're watering it, but it's also... And it might be even convenient for you, and that's sometimes what we unfortunately do, our schedule. Yep. Uh, You know, if if that's what you have to do, I guess you can go for it if it works for you. Um, But just keep in mind that watering during the middle of the day uh, has a more likely chance of burning your grass than actually helping it grow. Uh, so, again, water your grass thoughtfully. Um, also, don't kill it with kindness. <laughs> uh, when the lawn is struggling, your instinct may be to give it a natural boost, but fertilizing during dry, hot spells, again, can do more harm than good. Uh, fertilizer applications do stimulate growth that requires more energy than uh, stressed grass can afford. Instead, allow clippings to remain on the lawn. If you don't have a mulching mower, remove the bag and mow over the expelled clippings to chop them up. Uh, as they decompose, the clippings will return a natural and free, <laughs> free is good, uh, form of <laughs> nitrogen to the soil. So right. that is something that I do. Um, you know, you see a lot of people with their lawnmowers, they have the bag attached. Like, sure, that's good. Um, but for me, I just leave the grass, like the dead grass on top. And it, it I find it, it does help as a natural fertilizer. Yeah, I've heard that. And especially, like, and I don't know how long you can hang on to that. So if you did ride along with the, the, the mower, 
collective. But but as you get to now and get yeah. into the fall, I'm not sure how good it is to spread that stuff on, on there at that time, as you say, going into the winter for, for it to make next year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, that sort of leads right in looking ahead. Um, if heat and drought lead to bare spots, now we've all been there. There's always that one section of your lawn that is just completely bare or torched. Um, you can reseed the lawn when the weather cools. Um, obviously, the, the best times are the spring, like the early spring or the late summer. I'd say early fall, like pretty much after Labor Day in most places of Canada would be good. Um, water deeply once, then lightly every day until new grass grows to about three inches tall. Um, don't let the seeds dry out even once, or you may have to start over. Um, also a really interesting note that I found surfing the internet last year when I was, I, I did a bunch of research on how to redo my backyard, uh, when I was reseeding it. But a lot of people, their, their first instinct is just to take as much seed as, as they can and throw it all down. But really what that does is almost counterintuitive. You, you want to spread the seeds out nicely. Otherwise, if there's too many seeds in one spot, those seeds will actually fight against each other basically for position in, in the grass or, or in that soil. So um, just be mindful of when you're throwing down seed. If you have a spreader, usually there's a certain setting that the bag the, the grass seed will allude to, uh, to to make the setting change on your spreader. But if you're using your hands, you know, uh, be generous, but don't don't overdo it because you can overseed a grass and that is not very good. It, it will, like I said, it, your grass just won't grow. Um, and then next year, start watering deeply early in the season to establish a deep and robust root system, uh, more able to withstand severe weather and even better Consider planting short-growing native grasses. Uh, this is a, something that I think that uh, Susan touched on mm -hmm. the other week when That's she was it. talking about the uh, your, your lawn care. So um, uh, plant those native species in your 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 lawn or in your your in the soil, um, and then obviously that will help your grass grow and, and hopefully. You know, usually when you seed in the fall, obviously you're seeding that for the future. So, uh, again, the best time to seed is, is in the fall and make sure you water it deeply before and then make sure you continue to water until, you know, you, you can't really anymore until the snow comes. <laughs> and then that covers up all the soil. So hopefully that helps. I mean, it, it worked it, for it's me. It's really, really interesting because so many people want to get into it, need to do it. Uh, I think that's really great, Jeff, and a lot of great pieces there. Uh, we have time to slip in a little more. What else you got? Yeah, so I, I can actually um, pull up this really interesting article, and this has to do with travel. And now we only have about a minute here, Kelly, but um, basically the the gist of this is, is you can pay um, a flat fee of $105 per year and travel all around the world just on that fee. How you do it is apparently there's this website um, that you do, that you go to, and you basically um, trade off with other people. It's like, you wanna stay at my house? I'll stay at your house um, for a, a flat fee. And you can do this as many times as you want. Uh, it's not like Airbnb, but it kind of is like that. But People sign up to this website, you put you put in your fee, and you get to travel to wherever 
these locations are in the world. I'm assuming you have to pay for your airfare, um, but you have a one-time fee of just over 100 bucks per person, and you can travel basically anywhere you want. You just stay at other people's houses. As long as you're cool with people staying at your own house, <laughs> uh, I guess that's sort of the catch, but uh, you can for sure travel around the world and stay at other people's places. And I don't know if that's something for me, but kind of caught my attention uh, knowing that this is actually out there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like I, again, it's expensive, right? Well, and, and yeah. And, but again, that whole idea of it to me, you got to be, you know, really comfortable. But if you're going to be going out and you want to take advantage, cause you know, well, I'm a good house guest. I'd take care yeah. of whoever's play. You, you got to kind of look at it the same way, man. It's, it's just the way you do it. Yeah. Uh, really great, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Jeff will be back with us for cut for time in a little while, folks. So uh, stick around for that at the end of the program. And he'll be back. Uh, no, not next week. You're away. Uh, Margaret will be pinch hitting for him with health headlines. We've got our app update next straight ahead on Kelly and Company. Thanks for being with us, folks. Kelly McDonald, your host this afternoon. You know, as Jeff was talking about uh, grass and running through. So, of course, as a kid, I remember my uh, neighbors. We'd all get out there and run around and have water fights on these hot August and July kind of days. And I remember running around in bare feet. And I, I was thinking, wow, this hurts. I'll get on the grass because we'd be running down the sidewalks within the townhouse complex. But you know what? That of course have just cut the grass, and that hurt. Yeah, you got it, folks. Whatever you want to call me, the fact is, definitely Mr. Shoes Wearer uh, Extraordinaire, because I know my poor little tootsies couldn't handle it all. Wow. Well, appreciate you being with us wherever you are, and if you're enjoying your backyard uh, or or <clears throat> some nice scented, freshly cut grass. Oh, yeah, enjoy it. It's time to check in with John Beeler of the App Show for our app update. This is the App Show, unlocking software secrets for smartphones, tablets, TVs, and more. Sir, how are you today? I'm doing excellent. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm thinking, though, because I just mentioned freshly cut grass, how much I love that scent almost as much as when you just get a little bit of rain in the air and, and how grass starts to give off that nice smell as well. And uh, are you up on that kind of thing? Is that one of those smells that you enjoy too? Or eh? I, I actually love that smell. I remember a few years ago, the Gap of all places actually had a soap that was fresh cut grass scented. Oh, wow. That's like a rain shower grass right? or a soap, right? Like something yeah. that has that uh, alleged feel. So to you, how close was it in scent? Uh, well, it was different, but it was definitely familiar. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, so I if someone didn't tell you what it was called, could you tell? Like, would you say, hey, man, this kind of smells like grass or something like that? Some kind of weed. I mean, <laughs> cut weed. All right. I better leave it alone. <laughs> Janet Jackson's 1989 mega hit Rhythm Nation sonically smashes old hard drives. This is an interesting topic. What are we talking about? 
Yeah, this is a just a crazy story uh, from Microsoft. One of their engineers actually recently discovered that uh, a major computer manufacturer's hard drives, and these are the the physical hard drives with the moving platters and everything like that, in some of their laptops uh, from around the 2004 era, um, they basically would crash if Rhythm Nation was played in, in the vicinity of those hard drives because there's a very specific resonant frequency that is in the song that triggers these drives to crash. Now, we don't know if that means they're they're toast and like never to be seen from again, or if it literally just stops them from spinning and right. a, a quick reboot will fix that or not. It's unclear, but it's a fascinating thing that this song from the 80s can actually damage hard drives. Well, if you think of how much now range that you can produce a song and how many audio uh, levels, uh, sound waves, uh, like uh, just the range you can go, the creative sounds people can make. If that was going to happen, you'd think something like that would, would, would happen. And maybe I'm certainly sure there's maybe some song that hasn't been discovered that could have that kind of effect. But for something like that to be an issue, 89, 2004, you're talking equipment, really interesting. But, and I don't know, John, because you have some pretty strange sounds if you look at stuff then, but you also have some strange sounds now that people with so many, you know, people utilizing MP3s, and we know sometimes as much as there's a lot of different sound range, sometimes that's not the best quality of stuff, and you get some really interesting sub-noises we may or may not hear. What was really interesting was what that manufacturer, the unnamed manufacturer, uh, did to solve this problem. Oh. Um, they obviously being forced with a recall for a, like oh, who I'm knows how many you there. Let me have to get you back there, John. Let's see if uh, Jeffy can fetch you back on here. Um, I always find it interesting, and I'm thinking about the song itself right now in my head, hearing it in my head, thinking, geez, I have to, I have to play that because... I, I somehow feel like some of the audio in that song can be a bit funny. Can it, It's just, the, depending what you're listening to it on, you may find, I, I don't want to say distortion. I hesitate. I hate saying that because it's so easy to say, well, that's just the junk you're listening to it on or what you've heard it on or whatever. And when you're not actually listening to it, when you haven't heard something for a while, you start making these hasty, uh, you come up with an answer that may or may not even have some bearing or not on it, but you always start thinking, oh, yeah, well, at that part, I did notice something that always seemed to be off, and, uh, you know, and maybe that is it. Um, it's funny when you get musicians talking about when they're recording music, some of the strange things that made some of the sounds that you hear in a song, whether they were intentional or not, or a blending of notes or something in the studio... Um, one of the Beatles tunes, of course, you can, is with the full application, you pick up some of the air conditioning system and you can hear that in the background. So as the song ends and you hear, it, it actually is more of the sound of the, the air conditioner than anything. So, uh, you know, I find that kind of funny, kind of an interesting thing when you, when you think about it and wonder what's, you know, what is that? What's that all about? What's going on there? And, uh, and you just don't know. So, when you think of a song doing something like this, it's just too odd. It's just too strange to think, hey, man, how's that happening? Or when you hear about it, and especially something that we as, a, as an audience may have no idea 
um, that there's anything weird with this sound anyway. So I always think it's kind of interesting and with music and someone who always picked up on sound and being honest, <laughs> as a kid, would change the speed rate of songs, would listen to things in one channel, especially 60s and, and 70s songs that had... Uh, interesting separation back then and you know how how different a song would sound without certain instruments without certain things um that that were there so you'd like say what the heck you know what is this supposed to be what's going on here um and i always found that kind of stuff in, in on its own really really strange and really funny to to kind of figure out because if you couldn't you know, you didn't know what the heck, what is that? What was happening? But you'd get so curious. And if you did play around with it, like like a bunch of us used to, uh, we our little audio nerds back then, that would mess around and, and see what we could get. Trying to get John Beeler back. Um, not sure what, what happened. We've, you know, we may have had a technical issue with John. Um, just waiting to see uh, if we're, we're giving him a call um, and what's, what's happening there. On the Friday edition of Kelly & Company, Appreciate you wherever you are checking us out, listening in, and uh, uh, having <laughs> hopefully having a good Friday as we swing into the weekend. Later on in the show, I I do as when we bring Brock Richardson on um, to talk about tee up the neutral zone. I do want to get into the fact that today, folks, is their last show uh, in the live format that we are used to uh, the show having. So uh, at the end of the show, asked him to come in a bit early. Let's let's talk for a few moments because of the stuff going on with the video uh, video podcast. Also checking out to see what's going on even with uh, with Jeff Ryman. Uh, Jeff will, as Brock mentioned Monday, he'll be taking over sports on the program. So kind of uh, for for now with Dave Brown um, in the mornings. So looking to hopefully have a little bit of. Um, conversation with those guys as as they literally basically do the handoff <laughs> as Brock starts doing daily the sports over there uh Jeff with things uh changing in his world which we'll we'll also get into a little bit um when we get that time later on uh will be leaving uh being on on the their program uh doing sports and and out there so um still waiting we're trying to uh I think Jeff we're trying to get Jeff uh, John Beeler back not sure what's going on even well to be honest with you folks i'm not even sure i'm on air still <laughs> with whatever technical problems that we sometimes have arise uh so just gonna sit here and uh, see what we can do to see how how this uh flushes out um in, in our first segment of the show jeff was talking uh, about grass and as i said off the off the top of the program um, I was, I was, you know, always amazed and loved that fantastic smell. So John was telling us about that soap. I don't remember it. Um, I know we all have our, our favorite scents that are out there, things that we absolutely love, whether it's uh, cut grass or I, I even caught myself when I started talking about rain, that smell in the air before you really get a rain. And you hear our little promo where we, we mention that kind of thing, that wonderful scent that can happen anytime. And I know a lot of time, to quantify it, it happens when the air is humid. Today we've got a pretty warm, humid day here, but in London we've got rain in the air and rain falling here and there. 
So it's not that smell, just of the wet, just of the, the dampness on the ground. Or, you know, when it rains and the sun comes out right away and it's just so hot. But off the pavement as it steams, you get that smell. This is the smell I'm talking about just before. When you don't really know if you're going to get much, you might get a couple of drops. That's it. You also might get a downpour. But in the meanwhile, the air is just, oh, riff with that smell. Hey, man, it's going to rain. It's heavy in the air. And I don't even want to, you know, between smelling that and the rain starting is, is usually just minutes. And you get that smell. You may get it on a cool breeze that comes across. But it's just there before the air saturates and you start getting... Uh, you know, such a such a rainfall. So uh, I always love that. I always think that is one of the greatest things. And I remember as a child, uh, I just loved it. That's when I run out and get caught in the rain. And it, it is funny when you think about, and I don't know how much kids do that now. And I don't know how much people say, hey, yeah, go ahead out there. Of course, we, we knew of acid rain and we're told, especially when we tilt our heads up and try to drink it. You know, and, 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 you know, watch out. Uh, some other kid would, it's all full of acid. Don't do that. Uh, but now I, you know, I don't know if people, people run out in the rain and, you know, get, get wet and people love it. Um, you'll see it on those movies, you know, and shows people running around in the rain, screaming, laughing, especially if they've, in, there's been a drought or, or if they want to do one of those romantic things and have, have, you know, a couple running out there in the rain in a new place they've bought or something like that. And the rain's coming down. But the only thing that's always puzzled me is it's in the middle of a thunderstorm. So... <laughs> How safe is that to happen, folks, in the midst of a thunderstorm? So I don't know. I, I don't know what, what goes on there and, and how that happens. But, oh, boy, you know, uh, you, you sit back and you just kind of wonder, well, where are they going with this? Welcome back to Kelly and Company. As you might have heard, Kelly running into a little bit of technical difficulties. He might be uh, stuck in a loop somewhere. Uh, I know he was getting a bunch of uh, technical accommodations earlier today. Nonetheless, we don't have him right now. I'll keep trying um, and see if he can somehow rejoin us. But for now, I do want to bring in... Karen McGee, because, you know, at this time, every Friday, we like to welcome in one of our members from our regional content reports, and uh, this week it is Karen McGee. 
from Ottawa. Yeah. Karen, how are you? Jeff, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, but I love the fact you come to the person with the worst internet in the world. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not trying to jinx this or anything, but you know, I do have the worst internet in the world. So J- just phenomenal. Um, so hopefully, great, great day for you technically. <laughs> <laughs> I know one of those. Is it Friday the thirteenth? Like I feel like it should be. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I twenty six. Yeah. Or you're off by thir- you're off by thirteen Thir- days. It, it yeah. intervals of thirteen. So I guess that's kind of where we're going with this. Um, but Karen, um, let's start with your first topic. And I know we've talked about Mike Shorman before on the program, but um, can you give us sort of an Update, how did things go for him the last week or so? So I've been following this story all summer, A, because I love it, because I think paddleboarding is cool. And I do, you know me, I love a good body of water. I could spend all summer on the water if I was allowed. So the idea of paddleboarding across all five Great Lakes actually intrigues me. Not saying that I would do it, because I'm pretty sure I don't have the core strength. But I love the idea that somebody's trying. So he actually completed his crossing of Lake Ontario um, last week. He arrived in the Toronto Harbour front on Saturday. And that means he has successfully become the first person with a disability to cross all five Great Lakes. Um, All five Great Lakes were swam across. And it wasn't Marilyn Bell. Was it Vicki Keith? that did it uh, in the 80s, much way before you were born, Jeff. Um, So for people who haven't heard about Mike, in 2018, he was diagnosed with Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, which affected his vision, his mobility, and his speech. Um, For the pop culture reference, because I've got to throw that in, um, that is the same uh, ailment that um, Justin Bieber was recently diagnosed with. But Mike actually used to run a paddleboard business, which is why he's using paddleboards, but he wasn't able to do it after his diagnosis because it really affected his balance as well. Um, So he was crossing the Great Lakes on a paddleboard as a way to raise awareness and money for mental health. He really struggled um, after he was diagnosed with Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, and his mental health really took a hit. Um, And he was surrounded by great friends and family who helped him out. And he wanted to find a way to give back. So he partnered with Jack.org, which is a national mental health organization for youth and teens, as a way to raise money to give back and sort of raise awareness about uh, about mental health well he took on the uh, the crossing of the great lakes that is awesome uh i have been following along and um this is obviously quite the feat but um just to do it five great lakes like you're you're right i mean we, we always see these um advocates and, and people who are willing to push the limits really um you know crossing the english channel or crossing the great lakes or lake ontario but this is not just like one great lake Karen. this is like five <laughs> uh so and some it, of them are overnight trips so i mean they're not it's not like three hours and you're done like yeah. some of these trips were over 20 hours so i just think it's fantastic he started in may and uh, basically it's been about one great lake a month because it does take a lot of energy yeah, and a lot of planning, and the weather has to be in your favor before you strike off across these bodies of water, which can get quite. I don't think people realize when you hear lake, you don't think big waves, but I mean, no, the yeah. the, the, the waves you get in Lake Ontario, Lake Superior, um, well known for its um, its uh, its its waves and its lake. Just listen to the song by Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've been on a couple of the Great Lakes. Those waves do get pretty big. And I will also say this, Karen, is that it can get cool, especially when you go up to the more northern um, parts of the Great Lakes. Like, 
that those lakes can get pretty cool. So uh, if if you fall in or if you want to swim, I mean, you might want a little bit of a, a wetsuit or something to go along with that. Um, Karen, can you tell us how much he ended up raising for, on his journey so far? According to CTV, he raised over 60000 of the 100000 he was hoping to raise. You can actually read more about his journey and donate on jack.org. I checked a few minutes before we went on, he was closer to 70,000. So we still got a way to go, but I mean, any money has been great money and he's made some more importantly, there's been, he's gotten some really great press over the summer on both sides of the border. Um, Cause he'd usually start in the States and then come across to Canada. I think one, he did the reverse. He started in Canada, went across to the States. Um, but it's raised awareness, uh, raised awareness of Ramsey Hunt syndrome, raised awareness of mental health. And I, I think that is just as important as the money. It's, it's, making people aware that that these are issues that people run into that well you may have a, a disease like you know you can you can get affected by a disease and there are side effects that people may not have always thought of like your mental health yeah well this is definitely grabbing attention and headlines abroad so um really good for mike and maybe one day we can get him on our show see how he does on, on his uh, once he's done his journey so uh good on mike karen switching to uh, your second topic here um, for a boy in Manotech, am I pronouncing that right? Almost. It's oh, Manotech. Manotech. Uh, a little softer on the middle low. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, a recent tour of a fire truck was extra special because of one firefighter. Can you tell us what's going on here? So Manotech is a little community um, just south of Ottawa. It is beautiful. I love Manotech. Um, so most young people and some older people I know love a good fire truck. Um Fire halls have been opening their doors for years. Young people and families got close and personal with these trucks. I know I've taken my nephew to several of the ones here in Morseburg. And kids love fire trucks. So last week, the Manatech Fire Station, which is also station number 94, was participating in the Taste of Manatech event. And they had some of their trucks on the main street. And six-year-old Sam got to have the same experience that other kids get, which may not sound like a big deal. But Sam communicates using American Sign Language, ALS, ASL. So... To communicate, one of the firefighters was able to give Sam a tour and answer all his questions in ASL, which was a first for Sam. So firefighter Angus McDougall, and first of all, that is a great firefighter name in my opinion, Angus McDougall, love that, um, <laughs> had, had learned ASL through his mother, and he was able to give Sam the same experience that other kids get. And that's what Angus said about it, is that the... It was it. Sam got the same experience, and you know that's a really big deal. Sam's mom was really touched and talked about her experiences on social media about how much this meant to Sam and, and the pictures that they had of Sam on social media. And he's got, you know, six years old. He's got that curly sort of summer hair that hasn't been cut for a bit. So like it's that little boy curly hair look that's yeah. so adorable. That as soon as you cut it, the kids look much older. But when you leave it those little ringlets, the smile on his face, when they say a kid's smile stretches from ear to ear, Sam's smile was grinning from ear to ear. He got to touch hoses. He got to get in the cab. And the cutest one is him with some firefighting gear on, which is, of course, miles too big for him. But it was adorable. And you could just see how happy he was and how much it meant to him to be able to be included in, a, in what is a really simple experience that kids across the country get all the time, getting hanging out in a fire truck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was always one of the big ones when I was a kid. Uh, especially when they would make their annual trip to a school and we would go out and I don't know if I ever got to ride in a fire truck, but I definitely got to 
check out the exterior, maybe touch the hoses. And it, I was just so in awe. Like it was like a, one of those typical big red fire trucks. It's got the chrome everywhere. Um, as a kid, you just sort of stand there and you're just like, wow. Uh, and and it's a big deal. yeah, it's, it is, it is a big deal. And for, for a, a young kid like this to, to, to feel included, to, to, uh, feel like he can be part of everything and anything that he wants is just such a special thing. And, you know, as an adult now, it, I, it, it, it brings me such great pleasure when um, you knowing that I've already experienced that. And then you get to witness somebody else who hasn't experienced that mainly kids like uh, my niece and nephew, uh, whenever they get to experience something for the first time. And if it's like a fire truck, like my goodness, that is, uh, you know, pr- pretty darn big. So um, really special moment here, Karen. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny you mentioned your niece too, because when I was young, way back in the seventies, um, the um, that was nineteen seventy. Um, the um, they didn't have female firefighters, and now one of my best friends growing up, her daughter, is a member of the volunteer firefighting team here in Morseburg, and she's going through school to become a full time firefighter, and. That's a big deal too for little girls. There was a, we had a parade in their summer for two B weekend, mm-hmm. and she drove the fire truck. That, and you could just see it was the coolest thing. I was like, I got goosebumps watching her going like, how like that's so cool. Little girls can get that same excitement too with these big trucks. It's not yeah. just about little boys anymore. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Karen, if people are interested in learning ASL, where can they go to get more information? So Canadian Hearing Services offers classes and information. And Sam's mom told the Ottawa Citizen something that really struck home for me about this. The more people who know ASL, the bigger the world becomes for Sam. So, you know, and I hadn't thought of it that way before, but that's a really good way to put it, that people learning ASL, you're including my my neighbor, um, his wife is deaf and uses ASL, and their new baby is also deaf. So I want to learn ASL so I can communicate with, ironically, my 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 uh, my neighbor's wife's name is Sammy. Um, I want to be able to communicate better with Sammy and her kids. Like they're my neighbors. Yeah. I shouldn't be able to communicate with them other than just waving across and, you know, making sure I'm close enough that she can read my lips. I want to be able to communicate with her in her language. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I hope that this can maybe make their, its way into school boards somewhere i know french is typically uh one of the language that people learn but maybe asl maybe asl can find their way into school boards i always thought highly of that and i think it would definitely be um a good thing to learn karen just before i let you go the uh, women's world cup is taking place canada beat finland yesterday four to one uh i was telling dave brown earlier today that i have my calendar circled for tuesday august 30th a big matchup against the USA. Are you uh, paying attention to this tournament? I'm paying attention to it. I will admit I didn't watch the the men's junior as much as I usually do. It feels felt a little weird in August. The women's doesn't feel as weird in August for some reason. Yeah. Um, maybe because we're used to being in weird weird times. Um, and I have friends who are working on the crew over there, the TV crew over there. One, there's a one of the, a girl who used to work with me many years ago, who I actually trained a lot. Um, she's technical director for all the games over Very there cool. so like i love that so i watch it for the games you know you know me i love hockey i love women's hockey i love where it's come since i used to play this wasn't around when i played i'm still waiting for them to call me they have not there's still a chance um, there's still a chance i'm over 50 i'm over 50 i i i'm not holding my breath but you never know 
you never know. Um, I think it's wonderful that young women have this opportunity, and I will support that 100%. And there's nothing beats the Canada-US game. Yeah. Nothing. Awesome, Karen. Well, uh, enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the uh, last little bit of summer here. And I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. And hopefully uh, we can get Kelly back soon. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. That was Karen McGee, one of our regional content specialists from Ottawa, giving us the lowdown on all things uh, in Ontario. And like I said, hopefully we get Kelly McDonald back for the start of Hour 2, which is just moments away, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Kelly and Company. I'm Jeff Ryman, just hosting for Kelly as we're going through a little bit of technical difficulties. Like I was talking with uh, Karen McGee last segment. It's not Friday the 13th, although it is Friday, August 26th. So if you divide that by two, it basically is August or Friday the 13th. So kind of just one of those days going on here. On Kelly and Company on a Friday. Glad you're with us. And I'm really glad about this next segment because I feel like I've never done a a buzz with Bill. But Billy, how you doing on a Friday, sir? It's good. And uh, yeah, um, it had to happen sooner or later. Um, You and I are getting together for the first time in how many years? Three, two years, three years, four years? I don't know. Basically, I think as long as the buzz with Bill has pretty much existed. I don't know if I have ever had the pleasure of of joining one. Maybe if if I've uh, filled in for Kelly or Remia, if they've gone on vacation. But I don't know if I've ever just done one, just you and I, which is pretty cool though so and bill i see you've actually got some great articles lined up for today so why don't you give us the lowdown on your first article well this is you may have heard of this one watson case revives old fight for massage therapy industry so um basically a convention of massage therapists were held was held in um, cleveland i think it was last weekend and basically, it revolved around the fact that uh, massage therapists have been basically given a bad name. There was a, there was a football player, and I don't think I'm going to give his name, but maybe you know. Apparently, he got nasty with a, you know, got cuddly or whatever with a therapist, and he's been fined, apparently. And But when this got out... The therapists were afraid that, and quite rightfully so, that they were being portrayed betrayed as uh, portrayed as sex therapists, when of course they're not. So here they are having to sort of get together and say, no, we're not. Um, and it's, you know what I think, Jeff, it's the kind of profession where massage and therapists, therapy, um, People, it's easy to get, you know, to, for people to get the wrong impression who these people are. They aren't sex workers. They're professionals. And they they do, you know, most of them take their job seriously. They do not permit any hanky-panky in the office or whatever. 
No, absolutely not. I mean, I go for massages, I'd say a couple times a year. Um, and they're great. I have always just experienced it in the most professional way. Uh, I have never felt uncomfortable in this. And this is just me speaking from um, just my personal experience. But it, it, I think this also extends to other areas of health work. I mean, doctors, um, therapists, you know, they're, they're, I feel like they're all sort of bunched under the same umbrella, but specifically massage therapists. And yeah, um, I don't know, I don't know if you've gotten a massage, Billy, but for, for me, usually when you book a massage, now you can do it in a multiple, multiple different ways that, you know, there's a billion different areas uh, or at least um, businesses that are available out there, uh, spas, I guess, if you will, that, that, that do massage therapy. And, and typically one of the questions that they first ask you is, do you want a male masseuse or a female masseuse? And I know for a fact that my fiance always, always, always prefers a female. And I guess that's just for comfort level. Um, you know, uh, for me, quite frankly, it, it doesn't really matter a whole lot because I'm just there uh, trying to get a massage and, and, and try to relax and um, re recoup my body. But um, very interesting observation and, and very interesting article here, Billy. Yeah, and I and I guess if you are, they might get suspicious if you're a male and you want a woman. They they might get sort of, um, oh really? I wonder why. But yeah, it's. Um, it's something where it's really hard for these people to, um, uh, you know, play it down because because of what they do, and it's all sort of sorts of connotations come to come into play, as you say. Yeah, absolutely, Billy. Uh, what's your next article here? The next one: Hopi teens see um, skateboard. Um, They've actually the Hopi. The Hopi is an Indian tribe that live that, um, that live live in Arizona. They teenagers. This is really kind of cool. They have uh, built a skateboard, and apparently skateboarding is really popular in Indian reserves. Um, and you know, it's like that. I I kind of think it's sort of like basketball courts here, where you know these kind of things can transcend. Um, it can break down barriers. It can do every anybody can get together on a skateboard or a basketball court and have fun. And I think it's it it gives these people something to do. And and the hope is of course that other people will get the idea and um, do other things like that. Yeah, so you, I kind of like this one. Me me too. I I love this. Um, whenever you can incorporate. Um, sports with um, therapy or any sort of therapeutic avenue. I am strongly for this. And I feel like I've talked about it before on our shows and on our networks that uh, obviously being somebody who does play sports, I used to skateboard. I used to BMX actually quite a lot when I was in high school. So I'd be at the skate park quite frequently. Um, and, and two things really stick out to me when you are at a skate park, uh, maybe even three things. So obviously there's a, there's a physical part incorporated with skateboarding or uh, biking, or if you're into rollerblading and you go to a skate park or, or whatever it may be, it's obviously great physical exercise. And if you're getting physical exercise, that typically translate to mental happiness uh, uh, as well. 
Um, another thing at the skate park is just the camaraderie between everybody. Um, it, it was a very social place. Um, a lot of people meet some really good friends there. I know for sure I did. Um, and so I'm all for this. Um, I, I think that there needs to be more initiatives put out there like this to get people outside more, maybe away from the technology a little bit. I'm talking more so video games than anything else, or maybe even social <laughs> Absolutely. media. Um, Absolutely. Because when you get outside and you go skateboarding, I don't know, Billy, it's just, it's, it's honestly therapeutic. And, and I, I've said it before, like sports in general, get my mind off of something. Like whenever I'm having a crummy day, if I go to the gym or if I go and play hockey or basketball or go for a rollerblade, um, it, it's just one of those natural healers. And so really glad that, um, you know, there, there, there seems to be a bunch of people on, on board for this and that skateboarding is uh, one of those ways that people have found an outlet. Yeah. And of course it's teenagers, which makes it better, yeah. which I think makes it better. They, these guys are young and they know um, more than sometimes more than adults that uh, they see a need for kids maybe younger than themselves and you know they, they see a need they know why why the you know why they have to do these things because they're experiencing the good and the bad things as you say that happen yeah for sure so billy two thumbs up for this billy we got time for one more article so uh do you want to get to it well we got um uh, there's a bar in oregon that uh, shows only women's sports Apparently, this is catching on across the U.S. So what, what it is, it's called the Sports Bra, interestingly enough. And when you go there, you will see women's sports only on the TV. You will see pictures of women athletes on the walls. The menus are comprised of um, distilleries and beer and, and whatever and food um, that come from women organize, women distilleries and women kitchens or women manufacturers who make these these kind of food and, and booze up. So this is just a um I guess it's to get women recognized and for for what you know um and, and most of the clientele, oddly enough, or maybe it's not, most of the clientele are men. And I guess the allure is bringing the bringing men in. You might think the clientele are women, but most are men. Yeah, well Billy, I, I hope this catches on um more broadly. Um, yeah, because I was just talking with Karen McGee in our last segment and she was going on about, uh, you know, watching women's hockey and how it's great to see them not only in the summer, but how much the sport has evolved. And Karen's been involved with women's hockey for, for, for quite some time now. And, uh, obviously she's thrilled with where the sport has gone. Uh, and, and I don't know if Billy, if you watch, um, a, a ton of women's sports, but in particular women's hockey is really really good to watch because of that that uh, competitive nature um, and that competitiveness with the Americans uh, is really good. And then women's soccer is also another one. Whenever it's at the Olympics or on the world stage, again, Canada and U.S. and I believe it was Canada and Sweden in the uh, gold medal final last year at the Tokyo Olympics. So 
Um, and obviously, the WNBA has has really made uh, waves here in North America over the last year or two, getting some TV rights and ESPN and TSN really starting to cover it a lot more. So uh, the sky's the limit with, with, with women's sports. And this is one of those uh, bars or bras, <laughs> as, <laughs> as it's alluded to um, in its name that uh, I think could be sort of a pioneer of its time. But Billy, uh, loved the segment, loved chatting with you. Uh, we, we've run completely out of time. Um, still trying to get a hold of Kelly, by the way. Um, maybe he's just trying to get off on a Friday a little bit early. Maybe those Friday oh, hours. Maybe. So, <laughs> uh, But Billy, appreciate it, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. All right. Talk later, sir. Later. That was uh, Bill Shackleton giving us the uh, buzz with Bill on this Friday edition of Kelly and Company. And like I said, we're running into a little bit of technical problems with Kelly, although I think we're close to resolving that. Well, uh, I'll see what I can do uh, as we enter a break here. And when we come back, we'll have Ryan Huey with the Chatty Bookshelf. You're listening to Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. Okay, we're working, you folks. We are towards the weekend. We're in the midst of swinging open the gateway to your weekend. Thank you for being with us wherever you're listening in. Always fun to have you on board. Maybe using TuneIn Radio or OO Tunes. Awesome, awesome apps in which to listen to us. But do remember to check out the Kelly and Company podcast available using your favorite podcatcher. Well, I'd like to step aside here for a moment. We're going to swing open another door here, folks, and we're going to welcome in the host of the Chatty Bookshelf, Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? My name is Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, and we talk all things audiobooks. So, folks in the Windsor area, sometimes stretching all the way to London, at this point in a Detroit Tiger baseball season, become sad. Their team is not going to make the playoffs. They're rebuilding. That's what everybody says. I know this is books. Sooner or later, he'll bring a sports book in. But how are you Windsorites feeling about the uh, Tigers this year? Hey, way to touch a sore <laughs> subject right away, huh? Oh, my goodness. Uh, we're really bringing out the big guns. But, no, I was going to say, what do you mean at this point in the season? It was maybe... mid-june that we knew (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh you know what it's interesting because windsor is about the only place in uh canada where it's not blue jay central i mean yes there are blue jays fans down here but i mean you go as far as vancouver and it's all blue jays all day long right and they have seattle right across the border so it's interesting to see that you know detroit and windsor have that sort of relationship um, I will tell you that Comerica Park blows the Sky Dome out of the water. Oh, sorry, Rogers Center out of the water um, <laughs> in terms of like just being an amazing stadium. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's going to be a long season, and the rebuild is, I don't think, close. But you know what? We we might be in for some good years in a few years. But for now, it's it's uh, it's going to be a little painful. But it's it's you know what? It's the game. It's the beauty of the the rebuild, and it, you know we can always remember. What, 1984 was the last time we won a World Series? So, yeah, that's where we're going to have to keep it. And I remember myself, Londoners, especially when Blue Jays and Detroit were in the same division, it really rocked. And in London, you had your different places where you went to if you were a Tiger fan, different places you went to as a Blue Jay fan. But I think there are many times you came to London and felt, hey, man, this is Tiger territory, especially when we had their... uh, 
double A team here, which was an absolute ride. I loved going down. And at that point, I, I was quite a Tiger fan as well. So it was pretty tough when they played each other. Sir, let's get into your first topic here. Uh, what do you want to touch on right off the bat? This is so cool. And um, an audiobook has just been released and it's taking the world by storm. And it just came out on Tuesday. So it's really cool. I can't talk about enough, but it's not getting the notoriety for the reason you might think. It's getting the notoriety for several reasons that you might think, if I'm being honest. Uh, it's it's just super cool, and I had to bring it because I know that uh, a lot of listeners out there will at least go and check it out, even if they just listen to the sample. But I think a lot will buy it or use their credit kind of based on uh, this, and I think it's going to be available practically anywhere. Mm. Okay, Rye, let's get into it. What's it called and what makes it so special? It's called Hair Love. And the story is of a young black girl who uh, her dad is learning to do her hair because she doesn't know how. And she she wants to be able to kind of, uh, you know, have that updo, have the do uh, and and sort of go to school and and be considered kind of uh, pretty. Right. And uh, it's, it's really beautiful. And the words, the, the, the way it's written uh, is unbelievable. I listened to the press conference and I listened to uh, some of the the previews that are already out there and just some of the some of the written praise is, is just really really awesome wow that's really amazing when you think of the subject is uh is it a single dad it is yes so it's a single dad and uh you know that's where the kind of piece comes of in where it's like oh you know traditionally you know dads don't do the female hair right and it's like how do you do a ponytail how do you do this how do you do that right and then um the book actually kind of started out um, as a short movie and it was normalizing um, how different um, an African-American's hair is compared to, you know, the normal hair that you see, or I shouldn't say normal, but the, the hair you would see on a, on a different uh, race, right? So, and it really became something super special and this is just an overall great book and uh, I, I've already listened to it a couple of times. I remember as a kid having an afro. Yes, I said as a kid, folks, that's many moons ago. I know people are not used to what associating me with hair rye, but I remember the whole Afro comb, and it almost seemed to have, there was no way you were to go too long with knots or nappiness in your hair. There there was that mystique around it. So, And that's, you know, me speaking as, as a young guy. So I, I do kind of remember that. Any other unique things you said with this book? There's a few areas that we might want to be surprised and how come this book is getting so much buzz. Absolutely. So the story is told from the point of view of the eight-year-old little girl. And guess what? They have a... A, a small child narrating the book. Um, wow. So it's really cool. And the representation piece goes even two steps further. Um, it is a, a black girl that is narrating the book. And then also, this is really cool. Uh, do you recognize the the name? It's Blue Ivy Carter who yeah. narrates the book. Wow. So amazing things are happening. And for those that don't know, that is the eldest daughter of rapper Jay-Z and singer-songwriter, I guess, uh, Beyonce. So well on her way to, uh, you know, making her own way and, and into stardom. And this is really cool. And she does such a fantastic job. You know, when you when you look at a book like this, and, and I think there are so many subtle things, um, people 
within the black community, people outside of, that we're all going to pick up, including, obviously, uh, who's reading it, who, who the parents are. There's going to be some of that, too. But I think when you just hear an 8-year-old reading an audio book, wow, when you hear the subject matter and wonder, how how can this be what it is? And again, it's a cultural thing, as as I was saying about you know the Afro comb, the steel Afro comb, doing learning how to do that and utilize my hair without jabbing myself, and and making sure and feeling the importance and um, of of having your hair done right, you know, dressing right, and it all starts, I think, with with your hair um, and obviously cleanliness and that kind of thing before you start getting into what your appearance is, what you're going to wear and, and that kind of thing. But starting with your hair makes you feel a certain way. And I think that when you have a, a story like this, and I'm, I'm quite excited because you think of all those nuances that you're talking about, and there's a lot. Anything else to tell us about it, Rye? Absolutely. So it's produced by Dreamscape Audio, and this is really cool because it's available in print, ebook, and the audiobook all being released are all were released on the same day. And it's just super cool um, that they kind of took this from a short film that was uh, produced and bought by Disney and turned it into this. And even further, before the book was even released, HBO bought the rights to this and they're actually forming a eight episode is what I believe I read a series television series based on the family from this book. So it's going to explore even more kind of things and everybody's really excited about it. And uh, I, I really hope that uh, they, they kind of get the narrator involved because she does such a fantastic job uh, just from the previews and from the, the couple of times I've, I've read it that it, she, she really, I don't know how long it took them uh, to, to kind of get it to where they wanted it to be, but uh, it, it sounds fantastic. Um, at on Monday's book launch uh, is kind of where you got a sense of, you know, they released the audible sort of preview and all that other stuff, but they released sort of, um, I don't want to say a secret, but almost a blooper outtake and then a secret kind of here's the big line, right? And there was <laughs> yep. a few different lines and I talked about the how the praise that it was getting and the one big line here, and I want to get it right, so I'm going to... When my hair is in two puffs, I'm above the clouds like a superhero and everybody went wild over this line and then it goes even further and I don't want to give too much away because I want you guys to go and definitely pick this one up, but that's the winning line where everybody sort of brought a tear to their eye and she read it so well and performed it just flawlessly. So um, it, it's just overall just a, a 10 out of 10. It's, it's really great. And I, I can't wait to, to listen to it again. With books like this, and I've asked you this before about other books we, we discuss, I find timing, placement, wh what towns are taking place? Wh where is it? And in what years? are we experiencing because I love the references if there's any but I, I think it's pretty crucial in a lot of cases to understanding how come something like hair in this case is, is important but then I stop with this one and not reading it or anything like that Ryan I have to ask do you get the feel that it doesn't matter whether this is a 1930s book or, you know or taking place then or today it's interesting that you bring up that point because I've said this before where you get lost in the narration, right? I'm on the treadmill, I'm running, and you get lost in the story and the narration. I don't want to say I didn't get lost in the story because that's taking away from the, the, the words that are written, but you get lost in the performance. Just I found myself thinking about, oh my goodness, this girl is, you know, I think she's 10 years old and she's doing this. Like Ryan at 10 years old couldn't even tie his shoes. And this girl is performing, you know, an audiobook, right? And it's, it's just, oh my goodness, like this is 
flawless. This performance is amazing. And, uh, you know, you expect one thing from a 10 year old and then this girl is acting more adult than a lot of us. Right. So it's, it's really cool to kind of get that perspective. And then, uh, they also did an interview at the book launch of her and she said that she wants to narrate more audiobooks, So she might've found right. her niche already at, you know, <laughs> 10 years old, like amazing, right. Just totally worthwhile. And, I like this because it turns kids onto books. It's like, hey, there's a kid reading this book. I want to read it too. Or maybe I want to be a narrator. Hey, maybe I should be an author. Or maybe I want to be an editor or, or something like that. So I think this is kind of a win-win in that sort of respect. Yeah, well, when you hear different people doing different things, especially young people, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I liken it to when ESPN uses young people uh, to, to promote the um, uh, Little League World Series and stuff like that, doing an actual big league game, and you get those young voices on there, or the public address announcing for one inning is is the Junior Jays out in Toronto, for example. Someone gets selected. And when you start thinking about audiobooks, entertainment, and how audiobooks, it doesn't matter what you look like, who you are, where you come from. If you're able to manage that and be creative with your read, you're in. And age is, again, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, what matters is can you create the character? Can you go along with it? Can you emulate that character that's depicted and the other ones that are, are in the book, too, that you have to? Uh, it makes you so curious and, and I think really wondering. Are there any other lines from the authors or anybody else that you want to comment or things online, social, social media? It's just interesting, uh, the, the notoriety that this book is getting. And I think you're absolutely right because, you know, when you think about you know, a 10 year old little girl reading this, like who has a better imagination than, than a, a child, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that yes. that's where they live. So it's like, this is of the perfect fit. And I think that this is just like we always say, opening up the floodgates to more of this, because I think that representation is key in every industry, but I think that we're moving forward in that. And I think that we're really going to see this guys. Social media is blowing up about this. There's so much going on. Uh, book riot has already covered it. Um, I uh, publish uh, publishers weekly has, has picked it up and it's just, it's being promoted absolutely everywhere. Um, it's not even a Canadian author or a Canadian narrator, but CBC books is even posting about it. So it's, it's a, it, this is big, big things are on the rise for, for this book. And, uh, you know, it's already been bought by HBO. I feel like that's going to be extended too once people fall in love with the, with the family. Uh, and I feel like this is just going to continue to grow. And this is definitely not the last we've heard of hair love. Well, I'm excited that it's, I mean, any of the reasons that you've listed off here are great reasons for this book to skyrocket, Ryan. Um, obviously, you want the meaning, you want the characters, uh, people to fall in love with them, and not too much to be changed or whatever to be developed and enhanced the, the book going into the HBO project. Uh, the reader, you know, I understand the connections, the family and all that, but I'm going to tell you, I don't care who you are, someone at that age being able to be this, probably really one of the first books we're hearing from, first popular books, read by a youth and it's going to be it sounds like it's going to be beautiful it's absolutely beautiful it's such a cute story and you know what it kind of tugs at the heartstrings a little bit because you know i'm a single father and you know hand me that brush and the ponytail and the hair clips and the hair bands and i'm like oh what what, what do i got what am i doing here right so i i get it and it was just uh it really was just unbelievable well we know we have tons of listeners out there checking out your segment all the time so that means that'll just boost sales, boost, boost people reading it, and online conversation. Thank you, Ryan. You did your role here wonderfully and very admirably. People were swinging open the gateway to your weekend, so get that book. Thank you, Ryan. We'll talk to you next week, pal. Have a great weekend, guys.
Always enjoy our chatty bookshelf segments. Ryan, who will be back next week on the program. Coming up in just a moment, we'll take a look back at the week that was here on Kelly and Company as we uh, bring you Cut for Time. Stand by. Well, welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly McDonald here today. Appreciate Jeff Ryman, by the way, uh, jumping in here and pinch hitting uh, while technical difficulties were uh, afoot a while ago on the show. But I think things are smoothed out. And away we go. Uh, The last segment. Well, second last segment of the program where we actually get into some content as Jeff joins me as well uh, back in here. And we'll, we'll get to what he wants to share with us. But we call this Cut for Time. We recommend to folks when we discuss these different segments that happened earlier this week in the program, go back, check them out through the podcast, subscribe using your favorite podcatcher, and it's really quite easy for you just to enjoy yourself and, and enjoy what what's there. Um, lots of great things, of course, but we also have that time during the show where we stop and say, hmm, that was great, but I would have liked to have said a little more. So, oh! Because we get cut off, we obviously want the guests to to do the speaking, do the filling in. It's their airtime, and they know the subject. So we like to take a little bit of time on Friday to flash back and uh, take a moment from a a segment and expand a little bit uh, on some of the things maybe we would like to have added and didn't have that time because we were short on time and cut for time with it. So, Jeff, you're starting us off uh, this week. Welcome back. Yeah. So, I mean, I just want to say that this this could have gone a bunch of different ways. I mean, there were just so many great segments from this past week, but I ended up choosing one from Tuesday, and we spoke with our vet, Danielle Jonkind, about some helpful tips when trying to raise a puppy. And here she is talking about the importance of getting your dog used to certain environments. Number six, failure to properly socialize your puppy. So puppies really need to have positive experiences with a wide variety of people, other animals, and situations to make them into good canine citizens. So be sure, you know, you choose their exposures carefully. Um, Bad experiences can set them up for a lifetime of fearful behavior and potentially aggression problems if you're not careful. But you really do want them exposed to all kinds of people, like with different clothing. You want cats, other dogs, children, stairs, crowds, car trips, water, whatever, you name it. And if they have regular and positive, you know, experiences with all of these things, they're more likely to just kind of take the world in stride as they go through life. And uh, personality and temperament, of course, play a big role in a dog's reactions to these things. But even if they're prone to reacting badly, you know, you may be able to make their their behavior more manageable with this proper socialization and training. So that's really important. As somebody who has just raised a puppy, currently still is a puppy, our, our dog Oliver, He's a, he just turned one in June, so he's still very much a puppy. Um, this is a really helpful tip. Um, the reason being is, well, like Danielle was mentioning, that puppies are hard to raise. And uh, there are certain things that can trigger them, including their environment, their surroundings, the people that they socialize with, the people that 
even that they don't socialize with, like when you go on a walk and they see somebody, right? So uh, different noises. Uh, Remy and I were actually talking about this offline yesterday that both of our dogs are actually pretty good in thunderstorms and during fireworks. Uh, I don't I don't really understand why, because it's not like we can just create a thunderstorm or create fireworks at will to uh, get our, our dogs used to this. But I, I think what goes into it is how you go about um, um, treating your dog as a puppy. And for me, uh, as weird as it is to say, and I still do it, and I feel like a lot of people probably do it, but bug your dog. Like for for me, it's just like cuddling or um, like, uh, you know, not, I wouldn't say play fighting, but sort of along those lines. Or because um, right now my dog, like we can bug my dog, like, my fiance Aaron, she'll put her hands in his mouth and play with his ears and play with his face, and he just sort of sits there and smiles and sort of plays back with her. But we did that from a very, very, very young age. Like when we first got him, we started to do that, and I think that then really um, got instilled in him, and that is now instilled in his personality so if we have kids or if our nieces and nephews come over and they play with the dog like we don't have to worry about a dog having a bad reaction to something because we've sort of gotten him used to just about everything um that we can throw at him um you know obviously we started taking him for walks at a very young age we we, we socialized him with other dogs at a very young age we socialized him with friends and family. We had um, backyard barbecues, which could be a little bit loud and a little bit scary for puppies, but he's totally used to that now. Um, so I cannot stress how important this tip is if you are somebody who has a puppy currently or if you're looking to get a puppy, um, really get them acclimated to a bunch of different scenarios, different environments, different people. Uh, and I, I think that will really help you in the long run. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was just a, a phenomenal tip from Danielle Jonkine on Tuesday, Kells. So do you feel the putting the hands in the mouth, the playing and getting him comfortable has a direct correlation to with things like uh, not getting too over rambunctious. I mean, as as someone uh, growing up who, as everybody jokes with me, oh, you're not much of an animal person. And no, I don't hate animals or anything like that. I find their lives interesting. I find what people do very interesting, but not for me. One of the things as a kid, I and when I say that, a kid into young adulthood, uh, I was more uncomfortable with dogs jumping up, saying, and I always felt that that stuff like that made me uncomfortable. And what did people do when that uh, dog was a puppy in raising, saying, "Hey, don't don't do that." However, not wanting to be unfair to a, a puppy and saying, "Well, yeah, but the dog should never have fun." I think that I totally understand what you're saying because the best socialized animals can have that fun without it getting too carried away, and. We see this with human beings, you know, growing up, you always had the kid who was, you know, really kind of rough that, you know, they joked around with you and all that. But, you know, when they gave you a shove, it was always a little harder. You know, if they were, oh, get out of here or or gave you a smack. Hey, man, how are you, Jeff? It was always harder than everyone else as if there wasn't there was something there that they just didn't know. And you get that with puppies and with cats, with other animals, too. You have to teach them. So you're going to have the, the odd one that 
it's really a chore, as Danielle was saying, to, to be able to affect that kind of behavior that you want to have. And they're always, uh, you know, you're going to have a chewing animal that, oh, boy, we didn't didn't move fast enough and where are all the shoes all chewed up and whatever. Uh, I, I think you guys are so right because you've got to pay that attention right away. You've got to start letting no, the dog know what's okay, what's not, but mostly be a puppy, have fun, but not at the expense of furniture or, or people, hands yeah. or clothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and I've had, you know, people, hey, hey, so out of my cat. And the cat's like, no, I don't want to say hi to this guy. And their claw comes out, hooks in my shirt, damages my shirt. And I never wanted to hold them in the first place. And they never wanted to be held by me. So I think, Jeff, it, it's a, it makes a big difference. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it, it kind of is a lot like raising a kid. I mean, you have to literally tell them right from wrong from either childhood or puppyhood, like, like I mean, like, really small as a puppy, like weeks, like when they're just weeks old. Um, but it, it's really much the, the, the same trajectory, I can't even say that, trajectory, mm-hmm. um, in terms of teaching a kid versus a puppy. And, you know, if a dog has never been in a certain an environment, like if, if your dog is um, one or two or three years old and has never socialized with, a, with another dog, like... It, it, you're just banking on your dog potentially being okay with them, but you right. you, you truly oh, exactly. you truly don't know how no. your dog is going to react, right? Like, and that's you, that socialization thing that you have to do, whether it's with little kids, uh, yep. seniors, and other animals, cats, yeah. dogs, whatever. Yeah, it, it it really does go for a bunch of different animals as well, not just the puppies, because I can also, from personal experience with with my cat, when we first got him. Uh, he was a rescue, so he wasn't really used to this. So we had to let him come to us first, and then after that, uh, we were able to basically sculpt him into the, the the cat he is today, which is very loving, very affectionate, very cuddly, uh, wouldn't hurt anything except for maybe like a fly or something if it gets in the house. <laughs> um, but it's the same thing. We were just uh, constantly picking him up, putting him down. Like It doesn't have to be much. Like I, I'm not saying like you have to go full... like. Full, mm-hmm. full blown play with your dog for half an hour to get him used to it. It's like just small little details, like pick your dog up, or uh, I don't know, play with your dog's ears for ten seconds and then stop. Like see yeah. what he does. Like just get him used to it. Like it doesn't have to be um, a, a lot of time alluded to that in that moment, but just uh, just enough to, to to get them used to that. So I think stop is important, right? To yeah. know when enough, and without having to be a gruff, nasty. It just no, no. Yeah. Okay, I've had enough. They've had enough, or who you know, whatever. And to respect you know each other, whether it's another animal you're playing with or a person saying, yeah. okay, enough, or or taking their hand off. You know, okay, we're done. Well, they'll they'll let you know if they've had enough, Kelly. Trust me. Uh, uh, my my, <laughs> my puppies nipped at me a couple of times uh, when when you know back when he was a little bit younger. He hasn't done that in quite some time thank goodness but uh you know they they'll let you know you you don't have to worry about that you've done enough of that leave me alone (laughs) on wednesday's program we welcomed margaret eaton on board to discuss the importance of sleep for kids now here she's explaining how much sleep each childhood uh, each stage of childhood uh, a young person should have 
typically the current guidelines suggest that if you're between the ages of 5 and 13, you need 9 to 11 hours of sleep. If you're 14 to 17, you need about 8 to 10 hours of sleep. But that really depends on the child. Um, and I, I think, you know, we used to say everybody needs 8 hours, but more and more I think we're finding some people only need 5, some people need 10. There isn't a really hard and fast rule. It's what makes you feel like you can function well. I think the most frustrating thing for me, what she says, what you feel helps you function well. I've always been caught because I'm I'm not much of a sleep person, um, whether it's things in my head, whatever, that wake me up and oh, I'm bored here, I'm going to get up and whatever have always been my way. Uh, I was that person years ago that didn't need an alarm clock. I remember going to college and I think there was only once in the two years I was uh, doing broadcast radio where I actually slept in and, whoa, you know, had to do a little hustling to, to get out and be on time. Um, usually I just decided what time I wanted to wake up and it didn't matter how much, how late I was up watching something, doing something, whatever, I'd lay down and go to sleep right away, wake up, wake up energized. So, you know, and I know as, as years go on, you start getting more things in your plate, in your head. Maybe it disrupts the sleep more. So I don't, it's hard to believe when you're talking about being a student, how much more junk could you have in your head? Uh, I, I've always found that tough. But now the complication, and, and this is kind of where I, I got a little thrown with what Margaret said, Jeff, is, you know, we kind of learn what's good for us. I, I find I do more dozing off now, watching my ball games in the evening. Um, and of course, I wonder, well, what's that related to? Why is that? Is it a relaxed moment? You know, wh why is that happening? But mostly, we hear how much sleep we need, what that does for the body. And, and I know, you know, Margaret is saying, hey, when you're a young person, you may need that, that 11, 12 hours, depending on the age. Um, but we also know it doesn't matter the age. You know, there's lots of people 20, 25 that say, yeah, man, I love my 14 hours of sleep <laughs> when I could get it on a weekend or, or whatever. And, and I think for me, the key thing that we covered in that t discussion that I think people should go back and kind of take a listen to is the variation on making sure you build your body up. If you know you have to start getting up early to, to go back to school, start a few days before. Or you make sure if you have your weekends where you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to mess around and watch movies up until 3 in the morning. That Saturday morning after you've done it Friday night, you have that time to sleep. Other people have other commitments and hobbies and interests, you know, that they, they have or things that they, they do Maybe that would interrupt that, so I'll come home and take a nap. And for some, it works. For some people, you just never. I was a never. I, if I was up late watching something, went to bed, got up at 7.30, 8 o'clock, started my day, I could be tired in the afternoon. I always struggled with feeling or giving myself permission to go lay down. And if I did, oh, I, I, you know, what am I doing here? Why am I, I shouldn't be this tired. Oh, my goodness, I don't do enough to be this tired. Yet, if I put baseball um, old radio shows or, or a show on that I wanted to watch, something I wanted to listen to, an audio book, boom, gone, right? I mean, within five minutes, gone, wake up in a bit of a panic. How, how did you manage that as a teenager? Yeah, so I've always liked my sleep, and I, it's, it is really refreshing to hear Margaret Eaton. Like, she's the national CEO of the Canadian Mental Health Association. Like, this is a pretty big deal. <laughs> um, it's refreshing to hear her say that there really isn't an exact science behind how many hours of sleep you 
need to get. Of course, you know, for, for, for kids, it could be a little bit different. But for adults and teenagers, um, as long as you feel refreshed in the morning, like some people need five hours, some people need 10 hours. Like you said, it, it, it totally varies. Uh, so it is refreshing to hear that. But growing up, I was always under the assumption that eight hours, at least eight hours, if not more, is what I need. So I would always go to bed, you know, sometimes when I wasn't really overly tired and just so I could hit that, you know, quote unquote, eight hour mark. Um, so I was kind of one of those people that got sucked into that eight hour scenario. Um, but now, like, I go to bed when I'm tired and I I still aim for like seven to eight hours because that's typically how I think my, my, my body works and what I need. Um, but it, it also varies depending on your lifestyle. Like if you're somebody who's super, super active, like if you're playing sports like five, six times a week, you might need like 10, 12 hours of sleep in one night. Maybe you don't, maybe you do. Um, some of my friends are, are totally good with five hours of sleep and sleeping on a couch. Like, you know, like, Obviously not ideal for some people, but for some people... Oh, yeah, that never used to matter like, to me either. Yeah, I could sleep like, on floor, couch, yeah. it was never a problem. Well, till I noticed, but now, oh, my poor back. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how people do it. Some people, one of my uh, one of my good friends, his dad, like, sleeps in shift work. Like, he'll go to sleep at, say, 10 o'clock at night, wake up at midnight, go play computer games, then he's back to sleep at from 4 till... Eight. Like, it's just, like, all over the place. So, like, how do you do that? But if it works for him, I, I, I guess, like, what does it matter? As long as you don't feel tired the next day or whenever you wake up, that, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that's what, again, people give that permission. But I think you have to, and it sounds silly, have a plan as to, you know, what... <laughs> What you're going to do when you know you're going to, and most of us just don't because you don't necessarily know. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. Uh, I think I'm going to sleep in tomorrow because tonight I'm gonna stay up. And even if you do think that, oh yeah, yeah, it it it's the best laid plans. That's for sure. Yeah, Jeffy, appreciate you being in here. Stick around. I'd like to have a couple of words with you and Brock as we wrap up the program and see what's ahead. On the last live edition of The Neutral Zone, momentarily here on AMI-audio. So remember, when you get time, do check out the Kelly and Company podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. While you're in there, give us a rating and review. So a few special things happening today, ladies and gentlemen, as far as I'm concerned. Just uh, moments where things change. And some of us love change. Some of us don't. Please check out my audio vanity card at the end of the Complete Kelly and Company podcast experience where I do talk about change today, especially in the world of media. I welcome in Brock Richardson. He's the host and producer of The Neutral Zone, who, uh, which is coming up in, in a bit. And it is their last live show. We'll explain in just a second. 
Uh, also, Jeff Ryman, who's been with me through the show and filling in when my technical difficulties went astray. Jeff, I want to reach out and say to you, first of all, awesome work all these years on Now with Dave Brown covering off sports. Brock will be picking up the ball for uh, on Monday for you. Um, how was it today as your final sports report? Yeah, it was uh, it was great. I mean, it's always great chatting sports. And uh, to do it with Dave or whoever was in the hosting chair, I think uh, I've been doing it for about five years now. I think 2017 or so. So uh, it's always fun. And, and I was mentioning to Dave that, like, we've been through a lot. Like, uh, different uh, show titles, like, different, like, we've been through name changes, like, from live from Studio 5. I was on The Pulse with Dave. I obviously have been on Now a Day Brown with Dave. And then also um, in, in the pandemic, like when the pandemic first hit, we were still talking sports. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know how we did that, <laughs> um, but we were able to do it. So I, I said, hey, Dave, we should give ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back here. Uh, you know, the, the stuff that we've been through, and the stuff we've chatted about, uh, you know, it, it's been kind of a, of, of a wild ride. Like, but like I, I also mentioned that, you know, it's going to be in good hands with, with good old Brocky boy. Yeah, and you've got changes coming on, which we'll get into more of as time goes on, uh, coming up for yourself in the fall, involving our program. Brock, uh, congratulations to you as you start things on Monday. Thought we'd bring you in and just quickly mention that and, and any comments you had with the outgoing sportsman and incoming the regular sports guy of the network. Yeah, I uh, intentionally watched today, and it. You know, I didn't realize that Jeff had been doing it since 2017. And when they were doing the segment, it was like, wow, you are absolutely correct. It's been a long time. And I texted Jeff and I said, very nice segment. I have big shoes to fill. And that is the truth. I eat, sleep and breathe sports. But uh, Jeff also does the same in addition to his job. And so I just think that, you know, Jeff is on to... Uh, some different stuff, which we'll get into down the road, but this is a big chapter for me. I've had to adjust office space. I've had to, you know, get used to being on TV on a regular. And I hope there is no such thing as another pandemic where there is no <laughs> sports to discuss because I don't, I, I don't envy what you guys had to do on a daily basis. You know, I had to do it for a little bit of time uh, when we did our segments on Mondays, but day after day talking about virtually nothing would be yep. a challenge. So yeah. I hope that the pandemic and shutting down sports is behind us because I shudder what Jeff and Dave and the crew had to go through there. So you guys have Marco Flalo on, I believe, today, who's going to talk a little bit about what people can expect with the video podcast. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to only tease people with that and mention that it is the last live show of the Neutral Zone, the podcast, uh, video podcast, as well as podcast that you can find here. And an airing of the show will be starting on the 12th, Brock. Am I right? That Tuesday? Is that the Tuesday? Uh, 13th is the 13th. Tuesday. You can 12th catch is that. our recording day. Right. So it will be uploaded after they record it on the 12th. The 13th, you can hear it on AMI-audio and find it as a podcast or a video podcast. Stay tuned. They will tell you more on the program. Brock, at the end of our show, I always tell everybody, get out of here, will you? And I hope and I know that that would raise some comment within the amongst of the, the panel and yourself of that guy's telling people to get the heck off the network after their show. Never, ever meant it, any of you guys and anyone associated with Neutral Zone or fans or anybody. So I have to say that here, that they were very patient in understanding that it was not a target at them. Uh, but Brock, you guys don't have to hear that anymore before your show. 
No, hey, we loved it. We we loved it. And if we didn't hear it, we'd be sad because it's been a staple of Kelly and Company for a long time. So Awesome, pal. Brock will be back still with us talking sports here on Kelly and Company Monday. Good luck, Brock. You guys have a good show and good luck going into the fall. Jeffy, thank you. On our Tech Talk Monday, Michael Babcock and Janine Stanley of Customer uh, Communications of IRA uh, discussed the latest developments and happenings with the IRA service. Michelle Duda, senior producer for AMI This Week, joins us to talk about wrapping up that series on AMI-TV. Community reporter Annette Dennis will be highlighting London, Ontario's Open Doors event. That'll be a lot of fun. They'll be celebrating 21 years. In an effort to raise funds for our favorite four-legged foundations, local canine legend and international barbecue uh, sensation Miss Deborah Rose is giving Canines a chance to try her award-winning barbecue sauce. Let's find out more. And last week, a Canadian veteran with PTSD and a brain injury was medical assistance in dying, even though he did not ask for it. We discussed the case with Danielle McLaughlin on Know Your Rights. Producers for the show, Jeff Ryman, Romeo Muthan, Marianne Dion Jones, our technical producer, Matt Agnew. For the last time, folks, get out of here, will you? Except for the Neutral Zone gang. Stay tuned. As you settle in at the end of August and as we march into September, all my years in the broadcast world have told me it is that time. Back to school, the leaves start to change. It definitely has always, as I've mentioned on the vanity card before, seen to be that moment of definite change, maybe even more than just after New Year's for me. But one of the things that I always get excited and have is programming changes. Whether they're for the good or the bad, whether I had to enjoy the last few days in August of a favorite uh, syndicated show that I love so much to see every afternoon when I was a kid and they were announcing at four o'clock, hey, that's the time that my favorite shows are. We're going to run. Oh, that's not my favorite show. Starting September 8th, whatever it might be, I remember that. And as I worked in the industry, of course, we would be getting set as things change over the fiscal year for whatever new changes were coming, whatever new things we were trying, whatever new shows were going to debut and all the pomp and circumstance that was around it. And we've got a lot of that our way always. Even though we're a daily show, it still feels September's changes as much as we keep the show the same. There's so much flowing around us. So I'm looking forward to conversations such as the one we're going to have with Andy Frank in a few days on the show about the upcoming AMI audio schedule. Uh, we have Michelle Dudas coming up to talk to us about Am I This Week and the wrapping of that program, but other great things happening and so much to look forward to. But let's take some time as we finish up one because it's a show that lasted so long on the network and we're going to have an exciting conversation about that and its history. Looking forward to that. Sad to see it go. Um, and the new stuff happening, such as the video podcasts. Wow, Andy Frank will fill us in on that too, and you'll hear other things on the network. I've always been that kind of funny guy about all that stuff where other people just say, oh, okay, Kel. Hopefully you're one of those people who absolutely concurs with what I'm saying and feel the same way. Enjoy the upcoming changes. Hopefully for you, most of them are positive, but we always have to take time to say say bye or accept differences. Enjoy. <laughs>